Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. This is our first Sunday of Advent. We have the Advent candle lit. Advent is one of my favorite seasons. It's, it's this time when we get to reflect on the idea that God does above and beyond what we can ask or think. Uh, the Messiah of Israel, born to the house of David, they, they knew Messiah was coming, but the Messiah of Israel, born to the house of David, they knew that God was going to do something wonderful ultimately, but the Messiah of Israel, born to the house of David, was not just a person, it was God himself. That was beyond what they could have ever expected. The connecting music this morning is from Handel's Messiah, and it's one of my favorite movements. It's called, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. It's, it's uh, from the prophecies of Isaiah that we're going to look at this morning. By the way, how do you look? What a wonderful, wonderful graphic. Laura, I mean, the Christ child. Hallelujah. See that? I love the, the halo of stars around his head the umbilical cord to Mary's humanity, and he is God. Wow, that's amazing job, amazing job. Okay, um, and we hear each Christmas in one context or another uh, this, this prophecy from Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, Isaiah prophesied that Messiah would in fact be Almighty God. Uh, 700 years before Messiah was born, Isaiah prophesied that Messiah would be Almighty God. Now, here's the thing. We lose a sense of the timeline on this. Imagine that something was prophesied regarding this Bethlehem in Pennsylvania at the time that King John in 1215 signed the Magna Carta. That's the scope of time between the time that Isaiah prophesied the coming of a Messiah who would be Almighty God and the time that Jesus was born on the first Christmas. It's kind of amazing. But what it tells me is this. What it tells me is this, is that this prophecy for Isaiah that we're going to read in just a second wasn't just a, a, a prophecy for the time It was a prophecy for all time. Now, what I mean by that is it's a prophetic pattern as to the way God works when he speaks to us and the accomplishing of his purposes. That even today, the Jesus can be born to us in a new and an exciting and an awesome way, and he can be our wonderful counselor, he can be our almighty God, and he can be our prince of peace. Are you there? And so, so... This is what Advent's about. It's about preparing for the way that Jesus comes to us. All right. The theme of God who is fully God and yet fully one of us is a theme that divides every faith system on the planet from from Muslims to Mormons. But watch this, even to the Jews themselves. Jews were waiting for the Messiah, but there was no, there was no Jewish doctrine that declares Messiah to be God himself. The baby Jesus, who is God, who is one of us, is what I call the great messianic surprise. That God is capable of not only fulfilling his promises to us, but in ways that are beyond what we could expect. Okay. 
And although the Gospels are careful to illustrate that a Messiah who was fully God and, and fully human was in fact uh, foretold by the prophets, the, 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 the evangelists identify all the prophecies. In retrospect, no Old Testament prophet foretold Messiah as God more clearly than Isaiah did. And when he does, he characterizes Israel, get this, as a pregnant mother. The people of God are pregnant, he says. Huh? Oh, so we have this theme for, for Advent this year called pregnant. What if we're pregnant? Huh? What if as the people of God, not just this church, but across the world, as we, as we come through this time of darkness, the time of gloom, the first probably global pandemic that's been to the extent that we've seen, what if we are pregnant with God's purposes and they're beyond what we can ask or think? Tricia says we are. I believe that, yeah. So from Isaiah's perspective, Israel was pregnant with the Messiah who is God himself. And I want to highlight a faux pas that we make regarding this because we look down our noses all the time at the Pharisees, at the Sadducees, at the scribes, at the royalty. Everyone in Israel was waiting for Messiah. Everyone in Israel was, was, was combing over the scrolls, combing over the scriptures, positioning their whole religious faith on the coming of this Messiah and because of the geopolitical situation, because of, of, of the religious situation, because all of the circumstances that they were living in, they missed him. Isn't that interesting? In other words, I was, when I was talking about what God had spoken to me this week and said, don't look at the Omicron, don't look at the Delta, don't look at the Beta, look at the Alpha and the Omega, I was serious. I don't want to be deflected from what God's doing. Are you, are you with me? So our theme this year is pregnant. Israel in the womb of Mary was literally pregnant with a hope and a promise and God and a son who was far more wonderful than anybody could imagine. And they missed it. At least those who were supposed to get it missed it. And those who weren't supposed to get it got it. Are you there? <laughs> So in Isaiah's time, and again in Jesus' time, the people of God were so preoccupied uh, with circumstance in the gloom that they missed the light. I don't want to miss the light. huh? So the people of God missed the wonderful promise that they were pregnant with, and they missed what God was doing, and they missed Jesus himself. So here's where I believe we're to go this Advent as a church. I'm talking about NC4 here. When, when, when we're coming through this Advent, let's work in our devotional lives. Let's work in our worship life. Like this morning. Boy, did God show up this morning. Man. So let's work in our, in our religious and, and, and our, through our pandemic problems and focus on what God is doing through this Christmas and coming into this new year. Could it be that despite pandemic, that despite politics, that the church is pregnant with the purposes of God in ways that we could not calculate. Huh? I mean, I know it sounds fantastic, but I believe prophetically, and the prophetic pattern is that this is what God is saying. Could it be, even as a number of you, you all, both in Mukunji and here, prophesied in the midst of our services that in the midst of coming out of the pandemic and out of this political stuff, 
God is up to something. God has something up his sleeve better than we could ask or think. Okay. Uh, Or, I mean, consider the opposite thing. That these last two years have just been coincidence and caprice and and, and look, I'm not saying that God instituted, I've said this a thousand times, instituted pandemic, but he is the Lord of it. Yeah. So uh, track with me on this, okay? Uh, just as each of us were born with certain attributes and characteristics, DNA, a design from the Father for the accomplishment of his purposes through us in our lives, we're all individual, we all have these attributes, just, just as that, Jesus was born, watch this, with attributes for the accomplishing of the Father's purposes in his life among us, huh? and continuing to accomplish his purposes among us. And Isaiah prophesies these particular attributes. He, he, he prophesies them, we're gonna tackle them. I wanna access Isaiah's wonderful Christmas prophecy and unpack the first attribute of four key attributes that Isaiah prophesies, and then we'll tackle the other three over the course of the next three weeks of Advent. How's that? Does that sound good? Now, there are four names in the book of Isaiah for the child who is to be born, and I call these four names the sacred skill set. <laughs> and, and Jewish scholars have called these names the throne names of Messiah. And which is kind of interesting because, you know, I, I've had conversations with rabbis and so forth. And, I, and I'm saying, okay, so when Messiah comes, you know, he's going to be, he's gonna be uh, the, the wonderful counselor. But, but what about this almighty God stuff? Huh? And what about this uh, Prince of Peace stuff? What about this other stuff that's in here? And, and it's interesting because I, when, I, when I have, I try to have like kind of peaceful uh, uh, not arguments, but, but conversations with rabbis on this, when I have had the opportunity, uh, they, there, there's a, almost a sense that, they, that, that there's, a, there's an admission that there's a mystery here that they don't quite understand. But whatever it is, it couldn't be as good as what it says. Are, are you there? And, and I'm thinking, this is really interesting stuff. Okay, so we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and following. But I want to give you a quick context uh, to Isaiah's famous prophecy. Okay, the northern kingdom, the people of God in, in Israel in the north, are under enemy bondage. Sound familiar? All right. Under enemy bondage. And part of the theme is that, watch this, the human political alliances that they made ended up putting them in that bondage. Huh? And God is saying, don't you understand? You're in darkness, but you're in darkness because you've misplaced your trust. I say that again. You're in darkness because you've misplaced your trust. And so I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is interesting. Now in this prophecy, God promises a victory to bring them out of bondage uh, for the tribe specifically of Zebulun, and Naphtali. We're going to read it in a second. All right. Now, these are the two tribal territories that when Israel is ever invaded from, from all the way from the Babylonians to, to Rome, when, or even in the last uh, Israeli war, whenever Israel is invaded, it, the, the first people to get whacked are, are uh, Naphtali and Zebulun, right? 
because they're on this, this road from the north to the south to Jerusalem, and they're the first people to get hit. But interestingly enough, watch this, these are the two tribal areas as well in the New Testament which become Galilee where Jesus was conceived. Isn't that interesting? They become Galilee where Jesus ministered and where Jesus was raised. But what's really amazing is how this big victory that's going to take place that Isaiah prophesies is going to be accomplished through the birth of a child through a baby. Okay, but not any old child. It would be the birth of a child with this divine skill set that Handel writes about and that Isaiah prophesies about. And this child is going to have like the spiritual chops designed by the Father to build God's kingdom and to break every yoke of bondage. And that includes whatever yokes we're struggling with this morning. So then, God is saying that the answer to his people and the answer to your bondage problem is to be pregnant. That's what he's saying. But to be pregnant with me and with what I want to do. Am I losing you here? All right. So what was true for then, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, was true for the birth of Jesus, was true for Handel when he wrote this and was inspired by it, and it's true for today in 2021. All right, so let's try and see this in terms of where we are right now. Probably the most famous Old Testament prophecy regarding Christmas. Chapter 9 of Isaiah, beginning in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former times, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. That's Galilee in the New Testament. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So what what Isaiah is saying, when God transitions seasons, God's purpose is to make a glorious way for his purposes. All right, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Now, this is something that we kind of ignore when we read this. And most of us have read this at one time or another or heard it at one time or another. Watch this. Isaiah prophesies in the past tense. Huh? In other words, Isaiah prophesies in the past tense as if it has already happened. And there's a name for this in Hebrew. It's a grammatical thing. It's called the prophetic past. It's God's way of saying, I want you to focus people of God, on your future, and to have faith toward what I promise you, as if it has already happened. Amen. When you receive a new king into your life, you receive a new light and a new perception, okay? Verse 3, you have multiplied the nation. Now, the tense changes, and what's being described changes because suddenly you is there. Well, who's the you? They're saying something to God. Actually, in Hebrew, they're singing something to God. Verse three, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy of the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Now watch this. This prophecy moves from what is in the past to now. 
It becomes a song of worship to God now. In other words, when my faith moves from gloom to confidence in God's promise, worship erupts and bondage is broken. That's what happened in worship this morning. For those of you who spontaneously came forward, I don't know what was going on at home. I'm hoping the same anointing reached, reached you while you were watching this morning. Something happened this morning. Bondage was broken this morning as those of you came forward, not just for those who came forward, but also for those who were in their seats. Verse four, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as, now watch this, on the days of Midian. What does that mean? And I love this. It describes when God reduced the number of Israel's army from 32,000 to 300, and then Gideon, who I call the most unlikely hero ever, all right, liberated Israel from bondage. Now, why do I love that? Well, because, like, I am the most unlikely hero ever. And I would suspect most of us here feel like we are the most unlikely heroes ever. And yet God is saying, you can do it. You can accomplish what I've given you to accomplish and see the bondage broken. Verse 5. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. That means everything to this point is what the people of God hope for and have faith for. But now comes something even beyond what they might have imagined. I'm, I'm still surprised that 700 years before the birth of Jesus, that, that Isaiah would have the chutzpah, it's a Yiddish word, a chutzpah to, to, to prophesy it. Watch this. this is here, here it is, guys. Verse 6. For, or because, because, because unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He got, he's got the chops. We ain't got the chops. And his name shall be called. Here are the four skills, here are the four names that are the skill set. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. They're the four things that we're to look for. They're the four things that we're to expect to be pregnant within Jesus, all right? And of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. It always just gets better and better and better in Christ. Are you there? All right. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And I love this because we just finished the whole series on, on passion or in the, well, the passion, the zeal. That, that word means passion. The passion of the Lord of hosts is going to do this. All right. Let's see if we can catch all this. To be sure, this is a prophecy of the coming of Messiah 700 years before Messiah would come, but it more importantly represents, see if you can catch this, it's the pattern of how God speaks to his people when we find ourselves caught in gloom. There is a light that can break upon us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Where Jesus is, darkness is dispelled. The name of Jesus means light itself in in most of the context of the messianic prophecies. So 
when we find ourselves uh, feeling as if there is no way out of the predicament, there's a light available to us when we access this skill set of God. And the first name in the skill set is Wonderful Counselor, all right? And we can put our confidence in a wonderful counselor. But watch this. The counsel isn't merely what the counselor has to say. It's the very way that he comes to us. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I've discovered in my life that it's more often than not, it's just as important to, to understand what God says as it is to understand the way that he says it and the way he unfolds it. Because it's never like you'll think. Are, are you there? Um, I want and I believe the Holy Spirit wants for us to focus on Jesus in this season as our wonderful counselor. In our culture, we have all kinds of counselors. We've got great counselors here at, uh, at NC4. We've got Lorraine and Judy and Bob, and they're, they're really good, and it's wonderful. It's, it's an extension of that kind of ministry. But, but here, the thing is even a little different. Whereas we have legal and therapeutic and pastoral counselors, and the list goes on, what does God ever mean when he says, unto us, a child is born, in other words, a baby, and the baby's a counselor? <laughs> uh, that means, here's, here's the dimension of that. Our wonderful counselor creates comprehension only, uh, excuse me, our, our wonderful counselor creates comprehension where only confusion reigns. In other words, the way that the counsel comes is the way that God works more than what God says. All right? So that, uh, how many times have I walked through life and, and, you know, I sense that God is working and we have all of our cliches, God's in this, there's a reason for this and all those kinds of things. And, and you say, God, I need a word, I need a word, I need, I need a word, I need a word, I need a word only to find out that the word was there and the word was within the context of the way was God was working in my life. And looking back at what he did, I say, oh God, your, your incredible wisdom. Are you there? Have you had that happen? All right. All right. I believe we're going to come out of this thing. And this is our second... Um, Christmas Advent season in it, and I'm, I'm talking about the whole geopolitical thing across the face of the earth. And we're going to look back and we're going to say, oh my goodness, God, your great wisdom. Yeah. Hear me. I'm prophesying it, okay? The poet um, Carl Sandburg said that when a baby, any baby is born, it's God's opinion that the world needs to exist. So the word wonderful in Hebrew here is really an interesting word because it means incomprehensible or beyond human understanding, which is kind of crazy on the surface of things because how can someone counsel someone else when the counselor himself is beyond understanding? Or am I the only one who thinks that's crazy? <laughs> Yet God is saying here that Jesus comes to us in order to literally counsel us through life situations in ways that are beyond our understanding. Um, more than that, Jesus not only counsels us in our life situations, again, Jesus counsels us in the manner, in the way in which he comes to us. He is the counselor who we can not only listen to, but 
We can receive him and experience him. And this is why Advent and Christmas are important. Because all of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah wasn't an intellectual fulfillment. No one in Bethlehem was running to the scriptures and the scrolls uh, the, the, except, except the, uh, the, the Magi who went to Jerusalem and they said, we can't find him, where is he? And, and the scribes went to the scrolls, found out that he was born in Bethlehem and they still missed him. <laughs> but shepherds, right? Uh, uh, pagan uh, Magi kings or, or, or holy men, they found him. So the, the interesting thing about uh, about the first Christmas is that con confusion was reigning everywhere, but those who weren't supposed to see saw, and the reason that they saw is they saw the way that he came more than the intellectual uh, arguments for his coming, right? All right, okay. So more than that, Jesus not only, I've said that, okay. I'm almost daily confronted with issues where I say to myself, God, I, I, I don't understand humanly how I'm going to get through this. Or how, like, I don't understand how I can resolve this. I don't understand how I can do this. And the, and, and the job of the Lord is to provide a path through those issues of life, which we find incomprehensible. As a pastor, as a grandfather, as a father, I, I don't know how many times I want to say, God, I don't understand how you're going to fix this. And I'm saying, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. And even when he gives me the word, it doesn't work out like I think it will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Usually when we're fixed on a problem, one of the reasons we need a counselor is to identify the problem or the source of the problem. Good counselors do that. Sometimes the problem isn't circumstantial. Watch this. Sometimes the problem is me. Huh? And when God counsels us, God is able to counsel us toward a wisdom which would be otherwise undiscoverable. Way back when, I mean, before I, I even thought about becoming a pastor, actually, I never, I got conscripted into becoming a pastor. Um, I was drafted into this. And so <laughs> um, there was this time, and this was, this is like, uh, Trisha and I were here. We had come down here for me to do some graduate work, and I decided that wasn't what I was called to. I didn't know what I, what, I, didn't know what I was called to do. I didn't know how I was to make a living, so I just got a job, yeah? And it was, a, it was, a, it was an okay job. Well, no, it wasn't. It was a terrible job. Anyway, it really was. My boss was nasty. Anyway, and God kept saying, you stay under authority. So anyway, so, so all of a sudden, this opportunity comes for a free ride to law school, all right? And, uh, and so I'm thinking, I have made so many uh, pathway errors in my life, and God always covers them. But I want to do whatever God says here. And uh, so Tricia says to me, uh, look, what we're going to do, why don't we do this? Why don't we fast and pray together for two weeks, but not talk about this, and just see what God says. And at the end of the two weeks, We'll try and be, be obedient to, to the extent that we agree upon the counsel of the Lord on this thing, right? Now, this it was a, I mean, when I talk about a free ride, it was a free ride to law school. So, so, <laughs> so we prayed and fasted for two weeks. 
And uh, in the back of my mind, you know, things were so bad at, at work at the time that I was thinking, I, this must be God saying, I got to get out of here, you know. Anybody else been there, you know? And so th- the problem was in the praying and fasting, as we sought God, God kept saying, don't go. <laughs> and uh, so we, we got together afterwards and we chatted, we talked, and I said, okay, bottom line, what do you think God's saying? She said, you're not supposed to go. And uh, I thought, oh, dang. Uh, <laughs> um, and and I remember thinking, I kind of really want to go, mostly to get out of the situation I'm in, not necessarily to get into the situation God wants me to be in. I just want to run. And uh, so the bottom line is uh, I stayed in the job. And, and in a short while, I, I moved from that job to another job. And as bad as that job was, that's how good the other job was. But the point is, nowhere on the horizon, this is years before I became a pastor, nowhere on the horizon had, had I ever thought I'd be pastoring a church or ever pastoring a church in the Lehigh Valley. But here's the deal. God knew. And if God had told me what I was going to be doing, I would have run from that. But if I had become a lawyer, given my capacity for intellectual arrogance and creating, um, creating ways of escape, you know, uh, uh, there's no way my marriage would have survived. I know I'm serious. There is no way uh, uh, that I could have escaped the carnality of the way that I was going. That's not, that's not, I'm not besmirching lawyers. All right. That's not a lawyer joke. It's a grubby joke. Uh, are you there? But See, I had no way of comprehending all those kinds of things until about seven years later. And then I looked it back and said, oh, God, your great wisdom. You are a wonderful counselor. And I would have to say, you can agree with me or not, Trish, on this, but over the course of our lives, uh, for almost every decision that we've made, in God, we can look back not understanding the decision at the time, but understanding that his counsel was wonderful beyond what we can ask or think. See, that's what this is about, okay? Okay, so a human counselor is someone we have to seek out or go to. That's a good thing. But the wonderful counselor is someone that we have to receive. And there's a difference. Can I say that again? A human counselor is someone that we have to go to and to seek out. And, and I've done that, and Trish and I have done that, but, 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 but the wonderful counselor is someone that we receive. And, and sometimes to receive him is tough because he can be very intrusive, all right? In other words, he can stick his nose in our business, huh? <laughs> As a matter of grace, God loves to stick his nose in our business. And we receive it, and we have to receive them. And we do it this way, in prayer, in devotion, in worship, and the way we treat one another, and the way we live out the scriptures themselves, and the character of God, the skill set of God himself. That's how we receive him. And it's in that that our path is made secure. Wouldn't it be so much easier if we could text God, and he would text back? <laughs> I, I love it. So, so like, 
on fr- it was it yesterday? So our, our grandkids started texting Christmas gift lists to Tricia. And they, they always send them to her because they know it's not worth sending them to me. And so, so, but here's the interesting thing. You know, the girls all, you know, tr- you know, sent lists, you know, I want this smock, I want this top, I want this, I want, you know, th- these are the lists. And she, they know they're not going to get everything, but they're going to get something, right? My son, my grandson, not Grayson, the other one, Jackson. He, he's the one, this is the one where I did my son's wedding and Grayson, the one grandson was in it and so was Jackson, the other. And almost the same age. And, and they were both in the wedding and as we came down the, 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 uh, the aisle after the wedding and went into the ante room where the bride and groom was and so forth, Jackson's there and Grayson's there and they're about... I don't know, seven or eight years old, something like that. And Grayson says to me, Jaju, which is what they call me, Jaju, which means pop-pop in Polish. And, and they said, Grayson says, that was wonderful. That was, that was so moving. I just really appreciated that, that what you did out there because I married his, his uncle. And, and Jackson says to me, hey, Jaju, they pay you to do that? <laughs> this kid's going somewhere. Listen. <laughs> So, so, so we get the Christmas lists on text. Trisha gets the list. <laughs> Jackson sends his list, and there's links to every one of the outlets where you can buy what he wants <laughs> with descriptions. Like, he's not leaving it up to Santa Claus, let me tell you. All right. <laughs> Wonderful counselor. Okay. <laughs> uh, when we receive the Holy Spirit we automatically receive the wonderful counselor. And he breaks us out of our carnal fog, which is what I was in. And so here's the deal. Well, maybe I'll say it this way. You know, I, I was, I, when I had COVID for about 24 hours, 48 hours, and that they call it the COVID fog. I wrote two of my best messages <laughs> in the midst of that. Trisha says, you're writing a message in, in the fog. And I said, yeah, I am. She says, this is my problem. You know, you say you're in the fog right now. I think you're always in the fog. And then she said, and my kids said, said, yeah, you know, here's our problem. If you lose it, how would we ever know? You know, so, so anyway, so here's my question to you all because it's almost 1130. Okay. What is the insolvable problem that you're going to confront in this season? I really mean that. What is your, I call it the Advent anomaly. And I think everyone has one. And I I felt led to throw this in here. What is is it that's going on in your life, in my life, that seems uh, as if there's no way out of this, right? It seems as if nothing is surfacing that seems like the way where this can be resolved. And let me tell you, Christmas, the Christmas season surfaces this stuff more than any other season. Yeah? But God, through Isaiah, gives us an unlikely way forward. He says, you need to become pregnant with a wonderful counselor. Huh? Uh, here's the neat thing. Well, Trish, Trish um, when, when Trisha had Nathan all those years ago, 30 years ago, uh, we had three girls, and, and, I, and she came to me and says, we need to have another baby. And I went, you know, and... and uh, <laughs> and I said, I said, okay. Uh, and, and then she said this, she said, 
it's going to be a boy. His name is going to be Nathan Samuel, and he's going to be a prophet. Okay. And I'm thinking, well, okay, what if we can't get pregnant? Uh, or, or what if it's not a, what if we do it and it's, it's, not a, it's not a boy? You know, what if it's a girl? What do we do then? And then I got to deal with postpartum depression and a crisis of faith. And, you know, this is the way men think. Anyway, so, so all this stuff happens. So we're going through it and I am on eggshells throughout the pregnancy. But here's the good thing about pregnancy. It ends sometime. Are you there? I mean, one way or another, you know. So watch, I'm telling you guys and me, we need to be pregnant with the wonderful counselor this Advent. You there? Now, watch this. Uh, (laughs) Every pregnancy is an invisible, accomplished promise. Can I say that again? Every pregnancy is an invisible, accomplished promise promise. It's all there. All the necessary stuff is there. You just can't see it yet. All right. Be with me on this. As we're going, coming out of this thing, we are pregnant with an invisible, accomplished promise that God is going to take us into. I don't know how it's going to, Scott is going to do something to the church, not to only this church, the church itself beyond what we can ask or think. So here's the question. Where is there a history of chaos that I've been unable to sort through? I want to get at it this season, okay? We all have various histories of chaos. We've got family chaos. We've got relational chaos. We've got financial chaos. We've got health chaos. You name the chaos, it's out there, all right? This year we're going to do something and see the wonderful counselor address it. Hallelujah. What if we can believe that this year, this Christmas, all of us can become unlikely heroes like Gideon, right? You know, who would believe that Gideon could beat up the Grinch, yeah? This year we can beat up the Grinch. So I want to close with this. What is the future in God for this Christmas that I'm pregnant with? This isn't that I can be pregnant with, that I am. It's just a question of seeing what's invisible. Pregnancy never moves backwards. God's kingdom never moves backwards. Our lives never move backwards. And my own personal theology is this. God's not going to take me home until the moment of my maximum redemption. I say that again. God's not going to take me home until the moment of my maximum redemption. That's his mercy. That's how his mercy operates. So I just would like us to pray to be envisioned for what he wants to do in each of our lives, each of our families, and in this church, this Christmas. For those of you here, those of you in Bakunji, and those of us at home, I want to pray that prayer now. Just as this morning's worship was beyond what I could ask or think, I believe this season, this Advent season, which I have not been excited about, uh, is going to be beyond what I can ask or think. How's that? Is that a deal? Let's stand, shall we? I'm going to ask the musicians to come up. All right. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Um, And his name shall be called Almighty God? No. Everlasting Father? No. 
Prince of Peace? No. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Why is the first name in the skill set Wonderful Counselor? Because we need to be pregnant with the vision, all right? We need to be pregnant with with the, the, the vision of what he wants to accomplish in order to have faith for all the other names in the skill set to begin to take effect, huh? So I'm going to pray that he would envision every one of us. Has everybody agreed with that? All right, so I want us to hold our hands, not like this. I like us to hold our hands. I want us to become living baskets, okay? I mean, you know, look, I've been a basket case for years, so. (laughs) Okay, let's go into receiving mode here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we together release, release the answer to our insoluble human problem this Advent. Father, you know us, you know every hair on our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, whether it's a job, whether it's a family relationship, whether it's a, a, a uh, a sinner that needs to be saved, whether it's wh- whatever it might be, whether it's financial, whether it's wh- whatever it might be, Father, we release an envisioning process that makes us pregnant with the awesome, wonderful counsel of the living God right now. And we pray for a release of that for all of the brothers and sisters who aren't even here this morning who are watching online, if you're watching online, receive it in Jesus' name. For all of those who, who maybe aren't even among us this morning, but are part of who we are, we release it in Jesus' name. I, I got some words of knowledge. If there's somebody here who's been praying for a spouse, and the spouse isn't, it's not in sin, isn't wayward, but is just disinterested in the kingdom, disinterested in Jesus. God says, that's an insoluble problem that I'm going to fix, says the Lord. There's somebody else here who is uh, being awakened uh, in this season with, uh, uh, how to say it delicately, I'm going to say with, with dreams of ungodly content. It's like sexual, really. And, and, uh, and you don't have any idea where it's coming from. God says, I'm going to break the power of that because I'm going to reach into the chaos of that and show you the source. And it's not you, says the Lord. It's something else. God says, I'm going to show you the source and then you are going to be obedient to break it, says God. Somebody here is in need of, uh, uh, you feel, you've said to other people, God, God's saying, I've heard you say to other people, you know, I'm, I'm dead in this thing. I need a resurrection. God says, this is going to be the season of your resurrection. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And I am the light, says the Lord. Somebody else here who's been saying, "Uh, I don't know where I belong. I don't know where I fit in in life, in the body of Christ. I don't know where. God says, I'm going to make, this is going to be the season where I put you in place like the piece of a jigsaw puzzle. And you will fit, and you will not only fit, but you will look like you fit, and you'll know that you look like you fit, says the Lord. God says, there's somebody here who's been, been, been thinking about going back to school. God says, I'm going to send you back into the place that I want you, and it's going to surprise you because it's going to be more technical than you had imagined. God says, I'm going to do it, 
And you're, you're going to say, that's something I could never do. God says, you're not only going to do it, you're going to do it well, says the Lord. And I could go on. This is the kind of stuff. Insoluble problems, wonderful counselor. Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive that. We receive the solution to the problem. There's a health, there's a health solution. Um, God, God says you've been avoiding, you've been avoiding the path that I want you to take to fix your body. God says, you're holding out for me to do a miracle, but I'm holding out for you to be obedient. Yeah. Amen. God says, go be obedient. In Jesus' name. So Father, we just thank you for all the myriad of ways you work with us. And we receive you as the wonderful counselor this Christmas. Make us pregnant with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.